Hello, my name is Michael D'Angelo. Welcome to Let This Mind Be In You. Or, if you are a return listener, welcome back. This is a ministry founded on proclaiming the gospel to the lost and exhorting Christians to remember that we have the mind of Christ. So let this mind be in you. Please make sure to like, share, and subscribe with all your friends and family. And if you would like to reach me, you can reach me at ltmbiy at yahoo.com. That's ltmbiy at yahoo.com. I also have a Facebook page. You can find that at Let This Mind Be In You Ministries. Just search for that. Also, you can find me on YouTube at Let This Mind Be In You. And hello. Welcome back to Let This Mind Be In You. Brother Michael D'Angelo here with you once again on another Thursday night. Really excited about tonight. Uh, We're going to be in Acts chapter 3 talking about a few different things. So if we don't get through it here in a, a decent amount of time, we'll we'll do a part two. But let's get right ahead and uh, get some of the introduction out of the way. Uh, we are on all the po- podcasting platforms under Let This Mind Be In You podcast. Look that up. Let This Mind Be In You podcast. Look that up wherever. Um, I haven't been having any trouble. Uh, praise the Lord with Spotify uh, the f- past three weeks. However, uh before that, the still the uh, episodes that had uh, trouble still are showing up as only four minutes, um, you know. And I don't, for the life of me, I don't, I can't figure it out. So um, something's wrong with that. So we'll keep trying, and uh, hopefully those episodes in the past that uh, were cut short or a bunch of it's cut out will be um, will be fixed at some point in time. But everywhere else that I've looked. You can you can listen to every single podcast from in its entirety, and then um, if you want to watch us on on YouTube, you can watch us at Let This Mind Be in You. Also on Facebook, Let This Mind Be in You. Just look up that, and please like, share, follow, all that kind of stuff. Subscribe. We would appreciate it very much if you would do that. You can also reach me at ltmbiy at yahoo.com. That's ltmbiy at yahoo.com. And I will get back to you, to your questions, or uh, give you a response uh, for the encouraging words, or just to, uh, you know, say, well, love you anyways, for the uh, disparaging ones. (laughs) Does not matter. You can reach out to me anytime. All right, let's get into Acts chapter 3. Now, remember, we talked quite a bit last week. Uh, It was a little bit longer of a a podcast. It was uh, about an hour long. But we talked, you know, a lot about Acts chapter 2. And, uh, of course, that's Peter for the first time standing up, uh, preaching at the day of Pentecost. And uh, you see many, many things that are happening there. And we talked about it. Um, As people are coming in, uh, you can just go ahead and leave a comment, uh, as Brother Dave Wilson and my wife already have there over there on Facebook. And Sister Susie and Jason Beaver, high voltage. Good to see you over there on YouTube. So if you're listening, please, please drop a line uh, in the in the comment section. But you can always go back and watch any of the podcast, any of the uh, the videos um, in the playlist or anything on YouTube and Facebook anytime you'd like uh, over there. But anyways, we we talked exclusively uh, or not exclusively, but quite a bit around uh, Acts chapter two and, and what that meant and what Peter was actually preaching as a uh, well, as a condemnation to the uh, ye men of Israel. And you'll see kind of the same sort of theme again uh, when P- Peter preaches once again here in Acts chapter 3. But a few more things come out, and uh, we're going to address those tonight. So quite a few notes, quite a bit of Scripture, and I'd like to go through them uh, as much as I can. And uh, if I don't turn to a Scripture, I'll give you the reference uh, so that maybe we can save a little bit of time that way. But let's get started. Reading there in Acts chapter 3 and verse number 1, it says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. Uh, first, first off and foremost, they went to the temple still. That's interesting. Even after the Holy Ghost, they went up to the temple at the hour of prayer, uh, being the ninth hour. It seemed as though that that's a good place to meet as any, a big open space. So they were going up into the temple to meet, to pray, as good Jews would. So uh, it's a good area to do that, and you'll see that they get confronted. Hi, Sister Sheree. Uh, but they get confronted here, here in a moment, because, you know, 
Shame on these guys. They heal somebody. Now, again, they have the sign gifts of apostles, uh, the sign gifts to the nation of Israel, as as Israel does require signs and, and different things like that. It's one of those things uh, from scriptures that we see. But you're about to see uh, a healing sign gift being demonstrated here. The nerve of these guys to heal this certain lame, uh, lame man. Verse number two, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Of course, you know, you know, they didn't have any other way of uh, earning money or anything like that. He was lame. He couldn't walk. And so his, uh, the, you know, the, he was laid daily by maybe some friends, maybe some family. They would just lay him there daily. And as, you know, people would come in and out of the temple, he, he depended upon their charity. Almsgiving was something that was in the uh, scriptures for them to do they you know that that was a sign they were supposed to still take care of people by giving of these alms verse three whom who seeing peter and john about to go into the temple asked an alms you know which he that, that's what he did on a daily day on a day-to-day basis and peter fastening his eyes upon him with john said look on us and he gave heed unto them expecting to receive something of them Okay, Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at you. You know, what, what are you about to give me? Expectantly looking at them, verse 6, this is a very, very, very famous passage of Scripture here. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I, it's very famous a passage of Scripture. It's preached numerous times, uh, you know, I've heard it mentioned even by my own parents. If they're if they're watching, you know, asking, Mom, Dad, can I have whatever, this, that, and the other thing? Can I have a couple dollars or whatever growing up? Which we didn't have very much, but, you know, somehow or another we still made it. You know, didn't starve to death. But, you know, they, they would famously say, uh, I remember many times in my childhood, silver and gold have I none, you know. So, but uh, Anyways, he said he took it and it says in verse seven, and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. Now, this is interesting. Uh, you know, I'm just in there thinking about all the lame or the, the ones that are unable to walk. They were healed uh, as Jesus walked the, uh, you know, on this earth. I, I think of these these situations, um, uh, maybe the, the man that was lifted or dropped down through the roof there and uh, that he, he was he rose and walked, you know, he, he had faith. It doesn't seem like though there's any response from this man after they say this to him, other than, uh, as it says here, Peter reaches down. He took him by the right hand and lifted him up. It doesn't say, he doesn't say, do you believe that you can be healed or any of those kinds of things? He just lifted him up. Uh, so, we don't know the response of the lame man. We don't know, you know, whether or not maybe he said, well, I believe you uh, from what you're saying, uh, you know, but give me, give me a hand or a lift up or something like that. It, it, uh, it doesn't say that. However, this is what happens. Peter reaches down, took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Upon Peter lifting him up, that's when they, you know, he was healed. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. You would be too. So would I. Uh, you know, from birth, he never experienced uh, running and leaping and walking and all these other kinds of things. But immediately he was and it. He was taking full advantage. He was praising God for it. Verse nine. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew exactly who he was when he says, and they knew that it was he which sat at, um, excuse me, sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as a lame man, which was healed, held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them into the porch or in the porch that is called Solomon's, uh, greatly wondering. Uh, these these step this this porch this portico going up into the temple as they were walking in there many many people 
uh, were, were just surrounding them, just greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the, uh, the people, ye men of Israel. There's the passage again. You know, he doesn't say uh, even there might have been people from Gentile nations around. You know, as I've said numerous times, if they were there, though, in the temple, they would have had uh, a faith. Um, you know, there's a court of the Gentiles, it calls it, but they're not known as Gentiles as far as that goes. In the flesh, they are. But as far as by faith, you know, they're, they're proselyte. They're, they came in through Israel for, to believe in the one true God. But they're all still called, ye men of Israel. Why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, have glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up, and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. So it was very obvious Pilate wanted to let him go. I mean, this they already knew it. They already knew that he was, uh, you know, willing, ready, able to let Jesus go. But to appease everyone, he says, well, uh, he makes it like their choice to do. You know, okay, uh, here's this really bad guy, Barabbas. Uh, he's done all these bad things, and I'm going to put him out there, and you can choose which one you want. This This man that has healed the sick and lame and all these other fabulous miracles and all these other kinds of things. And this guy, this, this thief, this, this murderer, this crook, this, uh, you know, okay, which one? And Pilate, I guarantee there was a look of shock on his face. When he said, uh, crucify him. We want Barabbas crucified Jesus. Now, what's interesting is Peter is not present for this. Remember, he went out and, uh, he left. There's no indication that Peter was in the crowd listening or uh, or heard any of this. Uh, in fact, the only uh, disciple that was at the foot of the cross was John. Interestingly enough, Peter and John are the ones that are mentioned here. So maybe John had said or recounted to the other disciples by now, like all the things that had, had taken place. But notice in verse 13 that he is, um, Peter here, is speaking to the shame and the condemnation of the nation of Israel, saying to them, ye killed this one. Look at verse 14. He, this is a, like excoriating. He is really, um, for lack of a better term, tanning the old backside. I mean, he is letting them have it here. When he says here, determined to let him go, but ye denied, here's, here's, Here's something very important for you, and I'm gonna I'm gonna discuss this once again. God, the Godhead is these three are one. There is one God, one person, the the personhood of a body, soul, and spirit. That's not. I'm not making that up. Any time that God is mentioned in the word person is used, it's never plural when it says persons. But God is these three are one, three distinct members of the Godhead. But look what this term, the Holy One, is used for Jesus Christ. If you go back in your Bible and you look up in the Old Testament, every time the term Holy One is used, and it's used many times, always speaking about Jehovah God, Adonai, all the names of that they knew God by, they knew him, Elohim, Holy One. Peter is saying that Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. That's very important for you to understand. Not a part of God not a second person of the Godhead. All the fullness of the Godhead bodily was present with them. He humbled himself, took on the form of a servant. The Bible is very clear about that. But he calls him the Holy One and the just 
and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. Verse 15, and killed the prince of life. He's called many times the prince of many things, but prince of peace, prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. Remember what he told him to be witnesses of. Witnesses of his resurrection. A lot of people saw him crucified. A lot of people saw him resurrected. Many people knew that he was buried. And then three days later, they made up some story. Uh, we'll just say his disciples stole his body or something like that. No. The gospel. The good news is, is that even though he's, he's raking them over the coals for crucifying the Holy One, the Prince of Life, all these different kinds of things, he, he, he finishes the statement, whom God hath raised from the dead, the resurrection. is very important here. The resurrection is extremely important for all the things we're about to talk to. But he says, we, wherefore, whereof, excuse me, verse 15, we are witnesses. Now, I have, I have a question written off to the side of my Bible here. Uh, I have this, uh, this Bible here that's from uh, uh, local church Bible publishers. I think they might just be church Bible publishers now or something. But anyways, in this King James Bible, I got plenty, plenty of space. I'm going to bring it up here so you can see. I don't know if you can see that through the thing. Yeah, see how much space I have for notes and everything? I think I've showed it before. But off to the side of my Bible, I, write, I wrote a question. A question for myself to answer through the scripture. Because once again, this, these verses I'm about to show you are not contradictions. It's not Jesus confused when he says these things, or Peter says these things, or Paul says certain things about who raised, this is the question, who raised Jesus from the dead? Very quickly, Matthew chapter 27 very famous passage here, but Matthew chapter 27, Jesus is speaking about his, his uh, crucifixion, but they don't have any idea what he's talking about because he's talking about the temple. It's, he's not talking about, uh, you know, he, he, he wasn't talking about, you know, some sort of like, uh, hey, uh, you're going to crucify me and all these other kinds of things. But Matthew chapter 27, verse number 62, the Bible here says, now the next day, that followed the day of the preparation. The chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, they're coming to Pilate, and let's cook up a story here. Sir, we remember that the deceiver said, While he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Now, we'll see that he doesn't actually talk about that, but they understood what he was saying, because we'll get into some more scriptures here in a moment. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure unto the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be the worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, Ye have the watch, go your way, make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. Okay, he, he said he was going to rise from the dead. Let's, let's try to stop it, unless his disciples are going to try to come in and, you know, you know steal his body. All right, so now, with that being said, let's turn to John chapter 2. When did Jesus talk about this kind of stuff? John chapter 2, in verse number 18. John chapter 2, in verse number 18. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? Hey, we're looking for a sign. Jesus, and, uh, and this is very early on, by the way, in his ministry, Jesus answered and said unto them, destroy this temple. Maybe he was pointing at himself, I don't know. And in three days, I will raise it up. Jesus says he's going to raise up this temple. Then said the Jews, 40 and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? Went right over their heads. But he spake of the temple of his body. When therefore... He was risen from the dead. His disciples remembered that he had said this unto them. And they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Okay, so I also have a question written off to the side of this verse. When did the disciples believe? Oh, well, according to this, it's after he rose from the dead. Because that was, 
you know, there's many miracles that people would do. They could they could look back at scriptures and say, with these stripes, these are healed. You know, maybe they had they could study all that kind of stuff and say, oh man, this the the crucifixion was even prophesied back then. But they were looking for the resurrection. And if Jesus ro- rose from the dead like he said he would, he had the power over death, which made him the M- Messiah. And that's when they believed is after he rose from the dead. That, that was the sign. And they were to be witnesses of that sign in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. That's what we've already talked about. Now turn over to John 10, verse uh, number 17. John chapter 10 in verse number 17. Again, I'm just going to go through these very quickly. Who raised Jesus from the dead? So far, we've seen that Jesus said he's going to raise himself from the dead. Well, let's see what else. John chapter 10 and verse number 17. The Bible says here, Therefore doth my father love me, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. So I'm going to lay it down, but I'm going to take it right back up again. So, okay, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Okay, so again, Jesus is claiming, again, that he's going to raise himself from the dead. Now, just turn over to Acts chapter 2, is what we talked about last week. And verse 32. Peter seems to think that uh, Jesus maybe was a little confused. He says in verse number 32, This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Wait a minute. Okay, so God in that context, who, who would they be speaking of there in that context? Well, maybe the Father. Okay, God the Father. Okay, all right. Well, maybe Jesus was a little confused. Let's, re- let's read some other verses here. Again, these are not contradictions. I, I just want to put that very clear. Acts chapter 4 and verse number 10. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. We'll get into this next week. There's another miracle done. But God raised from the dead? Okay. All right. So Jesus is, okay. So they're claiming that God raised Jesus. Peter just said he was the Holy One. Man, these guys are really messed up. They're confused. They it seems like they're a bunch of Armenians, or you know, like, uh, maybe they're a bunch of modalists. Maybe I don't know. Man, boy, this is this is the Sabellianisms, and uh, maybe they're just totally messed up. You know what? In fact, these are all just gospel accounts. You know what? Go to some Pauline scriptures, shall you? I mean, you're so messed up. Um, that's just, uh, some confusion on the, on that part right there. Let's go to first Thessalonians chapter one and verse number 10. First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians chapter one and verse number 10. The Bible says here, this is Paul. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Wait a minute. Okay, so Paul is saying here then, wait for his son from heaven, who he raised from the dead. So his son, so that must mean the father. Okay, so the father raised him from the dead. So Jesus was just kind of speaking metaphorically that, uh, you know, he would raise himself from the dead. You know, and, and okay. All right, so we're getting somewhere here. How about Romans chapter 8, Brother Mike? I mean... How about Romans chapter 8? Let's show another Pauline scripture. Maybe he'll clear it up for us. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 11. But if the Spirit, capital S, okay, of him that raised up Jesus from the dead. Wait, so the Spirit raised Jesus from the dead? Dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Oh, man, man, now I'm super confused because now the Holy Spirit is the one that raised Jesus from the dead. How about Romans chapter 6 and verse number 4? Romans chapter 6 and verse 4 says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Okay, so we're back to the Father. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. The glory of the Father uh, raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. 
Okay, maybe the glory of the Father is the Spirit there. It seems like the Father is at it again, but I, I don't know. Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 12. Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 12. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. So we're back to God raised him from the dead. My point is this. It's not a contradiction to say that Jesus raised himself from the dead because Jesus is God. It's not a contradiction to say the Father raised him from the dead because he is God. And it's not a contradiction to say that the Spirit raised him from the dead because he is God. But that's not somehow or another. There's like these three separate entities are the ones that raised Jesus from the dead. Like he couldn't raise himself because he could because he was all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So I've lost, I've lost the uh, internet again, uh, but I kind of thought I was going to have some problems because we've been having several great weeks in a row. So I've been recording. So right after this is done, I'm going to upload this entire thing. So if you missed everything I just said, um, just wait a while and I'll upload the video afterwards. Okay. Cause I really need to make sure that people, people get this. So, all right, let's move on. Because all the fullness of the Godhead raised him from the dead. Let's put it that way. Okay, let's get into the next uh, portion I want to talk about here. Uh, verse 16. And his name through faith in his name hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know, yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I wot not, or wot, excuse me, I wot that through ignorance ye did it, as did also your rulers. Did what? You know, crucify Jesus. But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of his, all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. By the prophets from from the beginning, as we're going to see here in a moment, had, had prophesied that he would be rejected. He would be crucified. Not in so many words saying crucified, but he would be killed. But he shall also suffer, but he will uh, everything else would, would be fulfilled. And so because you did this, verse 19, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Now, that doesn't sound very, you know, but he's talking, he's not talking about it may or may not. He's saying may be blotted out. He's telling them a time when this is going to happen, when their sins are blotted out. And I'm going to get into that real quick where it says here, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Now, many times Jesus is called in, in, the, in the, um, the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and also Luke. I'll give those to you really quick. He's called the Lord of the Sabbath. Uh, Mark 12, verse 8, Mark 2, verse 28, and Luke 16, and verse number 5. It's called the Lord of the Sabbath. And what all does that mean? You know, well, if you're called the Lord of the Sabbath, it means that you're the creator God. Because God, you go all the way back to Exodus, when he gives him the commandment to, you know, on the, on the, because on the seventh day, you know, keep the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Uh, because even the Lord God, the, the creator God, the one that created all things, Christ, him which was from the beginning, him that was, and by him all things consist, all these things. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ is the Lord of the Sabbath because he created it just like he created this earth. And because of this, when you hear this times of refreshing, what does that even mean? I'll, I'll break it down very simply. The times of refreshing and what that means is that he's going to restore again this earth back to the way it was when he first created it in the sense, not that there won't be any sin, because that's the final death. That's the final enemy that will be overtaken after a thousand year reign. But the thousand-year reign in which there's these, this pre-flood, the, these huge uh, fruits are growing, the land heal, healing because he will heal their land. Because as it says in Second Chronicles, um, if, you'll re if you'll repent, you, you know, you'll cry out and you'll finally call on me. If you'll say those things, if you will repent and change as a nation your wicked ways, I'm going to heal your land. I paraphrased. 
But the point is, is that that's the times of refreshing. Now, also what he says here is that your sins may be blotted out. I brought this up over in uh, Slidell in, in my, uh, my adult Sunday school uh, that I teach at, that we have a different promise in that our sins are already blotted out. And what that means is, is that at the moment in the twinkling of an eye, we will get our new body because it, the sins have been blotted out already. This is why I say that there's two resurrections. There's two different resurrections, one of the body of Christ and one of these individuals. So that's the times of refreshing. And some interesting tie-in, you can look it up later on your own, is Isaiah chapter 26, verse 9 through 16, where, actually, let's just turn there. Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah chapter 28, verses 9 through 16. Uh, just uh, Obviously, Isaiah has a lot of stuff in it, um, you know, and he's speaking to present-day Israel by, and still prophesying to future Israel. But uh, Isaiah chapter 28 and verse number 9, the Bible says here, uh, says, Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. Just like Peter's preaching, they're not going to hear him. Oh, yes, people get saved, you know, as far as their salvation goes and all these other kinds of things. They, yes, they do. They believe in Jesus as their Messiah, the one that was prophesied from the, from be, as the world began. Yes, they do. But they won't be resurrected until the times of refreshing. That's when they get their new body. Keep reading here. But the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept, line upon line. Uh, line upon line, here a little and there a little, and they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. Wherefore, hear the word of the Lord, ye scornful men that rule this people, which is in Israel. Because ye have said we have made a covenant with death, and with hell are we at uh, agreement. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us, for we have made lies our, uh, lies our refuge, and under falsehood have we hid ourselves. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for the foundation a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. This cornerstone, Jesus, they're, they're going to reject him. They're not going to even receive him now. But when they do as a nation, as we're going to see here in a moment, as I've gone through the, the Millennial Reign series and uh, Revelation Rightly Divided series that you can all look up, when this time is, you know, when you ask, when is this time of refreshing? It's when the Lord of the Sabbath returns and the earth is at rest again, at peace again. The fact that he rules with a rod of iron, that, that you know, that the, the, the land heals because of this and the lion lays down with the lamb and all these other kinds of uh, things that are talked about in prophecy all throughout the Old Testament. These are when that happens, and that's when the Lord of the Sabbath returns. You can find this in Hebrews 9, verse 24. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, and I'm going to turn over there. Um, actually, let's go to Hebrews first because it's on the way. So let's, uh, let's pull over in Hebrews as we move towards 1 Peter. But Hebrews chapter 9, and uh, we'll start in verse number 24 and read for just a little bit. It says, For Christ has not entered into the holy place places made with hands, which are the figure of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us, nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. He brought his own blood once. For then must he oft, often have suffered since the foundation of the world. Now that's, that's another key we'll talk about here in a moment, but founda since the foundation of the world, since the very beginning, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. The sins will be blotted out for them as a nation when this happens. 
And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was uh, once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Appear the second time without sin unto salvation is not speaking about the resurrection of the dead in Christ. It is speaking about the resurrection found in Revelation chapter 20, the first resurrection. That is when Peter says to them that they will have times of refreshing. I I don't know how much more clear it can be, but let's turn over to Peter's epistle, 1 Peter, to see if this is the second time that they see him. They saw him the first time. He appeared to them. All the fullness, God manifest in flesh, came clearly seen, uh, spoken, you know, he demonstrated his power, he even said that he would demonstrate his power to rise from the dead and raise himself from the dead. But first Peter chapter one, first Peter chapter one, this is what the nation of Israel still trips over to this day. But after the time of Jacob's trouble, they'll look upon him whom they have pierced and they'll moan and wail and repent and he will come back the second time the second coming of jesus christ look at first peter though chapter one and let's look at verse three blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope unto a lively hope by the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you wait a minute an inheritance incorruptible keep reading who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. That's when their salvation is revealed. Our salvation, we're waiting upon the blessed hope into all, that's the resurrection of the dead in Christ. That's the blessed hope before. As as Paul says in uh, many places that our sins are already blotted out. They're nailed to his cross. See the difference in message? And as you continue to read here, Verse 6, wherein ye are greatly rejoiced through now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. I mean, they're they're going through it. Their their ministry is waning. It's it's almost non-existent. People are dying off uh, without him returning the second time. But he's telling them, rejoice for a season. If need be, you go through some heaviness. You're going to go through trials and, and, you know, all this, that the trial of your faith, verse seven, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. At his appearing, they're going to be judged by their faithfulness as far as how much they rule over this and that and the other thing. This is spoken by one of the apostles that sits upon one of the 12 thrones over the 12 bounds of habitation, as we spoke about last week. Uh, let's, uh, for time's sake here, let's go to verse number 13. But you can, you can read all the way down if you want. But look, it says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you of the revelation of Jesus Christ. By grace, his grace, you know, same grace, you know, God's uh, riches at Christ's expense, you know, as, as I've, already, I've heard that many, many times growing up. That's what grace stands for. And his grace, their faith in who he is, hold fast. Don't, don't give up on that. You know, even if you die, don't give up on that. You will be resurrected at the times of refreshing. Your inheritance will be there. Um, you'll be judged at a different judgment, Matthew chapter 25, the judgment of the sheep and goats. A different, a different um, resurrection and a different judgment for this group. That's found in Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 31. And you see this times of refreshing in Revelation chapter 20, verse 4 through 6. This is the beginning of the millennial, actual, not amillennial, not some sort of made up like allegory or anything like that. An actual, real, ruling and reigning by Christ. As he said he would come back a second time, place his feet. By prophecy, if none of these things come to pass and they're all just allegories and or this this took place over the past couple thousand years and all the different wild theories about, well, no, it's not really going to happen. Some millennial thing that's not really going to happen. No, according to the scriptures, he will rule and reign for an actual thousand years. 
The times of refreshing. When I believe the 12 disciples, all those that believe, all those are brought in under this Jewish ministry of the kingdom gospel will be resurrected from the dead at the times of refreshing. Hope that makes sense to you. Let's keep reading. And it says, shall come from the presence of the Lord. Verse 20, back here in Acts chapter 3. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things. You, the restitution means they, it, that's, it's rightfully theirs. They're going to be, they're going to receive restitution. It's going to be restored to them. The refreshing, that's theirs, not yours and I as part of the body of Christ which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets verse 21 since the world began since the fall of man since the garden uh, they were kicked out of the garden Christ said that uh, you, you know the the first prophecy of, of him coming to take away the sins of the world there after they just got kicked out of the, of the garden at the foundation of the world he said you'll bruise his heel but he'll bruise your head he'll crush your head it's over you're not going to be able to win death hell satan i will make a way this is the difference though between since the world began and the difference of when paul talks about in second timothy chapter 1 verse 9 as we turn over there really quick or in titus 1 2 that second timothy sorry Second Timothy chapter one. Second Timothy chapter one. In verse number nine, where he says, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given in Christ Jesus before the world began. Even before the world began, that's a difference. See, all these things that were kept hidden and secret since the world began, before the world began, is different than these things have been talked about from the foundation of the world. That's the difference. Titus, Titus chapter 1. Not a contradiction, but a difference. And, uh, something else is revealed. Titus chapter 1, verse number 2. In hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot be lie, promised before the world began. But it hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me, according to the commandment of God our Savior, to Titus mine own. He's telling him that this is the things that he should follow. Because this was not known. Maybe they even desired to look upon or look into these things or something like that, but it was not known. It was revealed at the revelation of the mystery. Now, either Paul's a lunatic. Or he's speaking what was delivered unto Paul. I saw something. Uh, I don't know if he's watching tonight. I haven't even looked at the uh, the uh, the, uh, the feed. No, I haven't looked at the feed yet. But uh, uh, I just did. I didn't see him on here. But uh, brother Ken posted something that we don't we don't follow the gospel of Paul. We follow the gospel that was given to Paul. That's why he says my gospel, but it was given unto him to give to us. That's what we should follow. And I, and I don't know how much more clear it can be, but uh, I, I don't worship the Apostle Paul. I don't follow him like something that he made up. I follow him as he follows Christ, our example, our apostle, the one born out of due time, the one that had an opportunity, you know, if he would have believed Jesus and when he said he was who he said he was, would have been brought under this ministry. He would have had his, his reward. But that's not what happened. Matthias was chosen as the 12th. Paul still loved his people. He says so much in uh, Romans 9 verse, and also 10 and 11. He, he talks about that. But how they have fallen for a time. They placed them aside for a time. But since the world began is a, is different than before the world began. Okay, since means took place. It's been prophesied. They talked about it. You can see it all the way down through there. But you will not see the church, the uh, the body of Christ in the Old Testament. You're just not going to. But well, let's move on. 
he gets back to talking about um, uh, people that they would understand, obviously. For Moses, verse 22, truly said unto the fathers, a prophet shall the Lord God, your God, raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me, him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Hmm. Well, let his blood be upon our hands and our children's heads. And, you know, and all, you know, wow. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. These days, that's what the prophecy that you can go back. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. You can look back all the way through these Old Testament scriptures all the way back here and see profitable things for you to understand the differences between Israel and us, the body of Christ. But as we go through the book of Acts here, we're seeing these things clearly revealed in my mind. Uh, I pray that you you give it heed. And um, you study it out, you, you read it for yourself. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel. Verse 25, ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. They had to come through Israel. They'll be blessed. They had to come through you. Unto you first God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. That's why he came and you killed him. But don't worry. He rose from the dead. It's, it's preached as a condemnation. Now you notice the difference if you, if you read when Paul talks about the, the, the glory that's at the cross. I mean, the, the, the absolute necessity of the cross and how we should rejoice in that, how our sins have been blotted out, nailed to his cross and, and how happy of a thing that is. But, boy, he really rakes them over the coals in Acts chapter 2 and, verse, and also chapter 3. Peter stands up with boldness and preaches to ye men of Israel. Well, I hope that helped out. All right, uh, so that's Acts chapter 3. Didn't take a, quite as long as I thought. Hello, Sister Lizzie. Sister Elizabeth, also known as Busy here on YouTube. Haven't seen you on here for a very long time. Uh, good speaking with you the other day, uh, sister. I hope you're still on here. All right. Well, there's not very many uh, comments, which is okay. Take it all in. Soak it up. Write some things down. Go study it out. Take your, your King James Bible and study through it with me. Uh, we'll be back next week, Lord willing, Acts chapter 4. Here's a comment. Uh, Sister Susie said, uh, we learned verse 6 as a song in Sunday school growing up. So did I, you know. She's talking about when we talked about in uh, Acts chapter 3 and verse number 6, if you just joined us. Go back and listen. I think it only blipped. I think there was only one slight interruption. So I'm not going to upload an entire um, video because of that one blip. It seemed to be doing okay from that point on. So um, I think everything that did get cut out a little bit on the video portion, if you're, wa if you're listening to this, you should be able to hear everything I said. So, But uh, I won't have to go back and re-upload this. We'll just let the live go ahead and go. But uh, anyway, she's, she's talk she talked about uh, uh, verse number six, silver and gold have I none. Silver and gold have I none. I remember singing... That same song. All right. And uh, Sister Elizabeth in Colorado now says, still here. Have a good evening. You as well, Sister. And Sister Cindy is here. She says, thank you. No, thank you, Sister Cindy. God bless you. All praise goes to the one that's worthy. The Holy One that was mentioned here in Acts chapter 3. All the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Sister Diane, thank you for joining me. All praise and glory to the one that's worthy of praise and honor. Not to me. Just, just trying to teach for what it says. It's, uh, as it's clearly written, at least to me. And um, I didn't come to this, by the way, through study as of other men's teaching. I just read, read it. Uh, it really kind of all started with uh, just 
really getting into years ago, getting in talking about um, this millennial reign and how the things just weren't lining up for me. So, but anyways, all right, we good? All right. Well, thanks for joining me here on Let This Mind Be In You. Please, as always, like, share, subscribe. Please tell everybody you can. Um, most importantly, tell someone about the gospel of our salvation. Be ministers of reconciliation and tell others that through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, your sins can be forgiven now. We're talking about people in the times of refreshing and their sins being blotted out and given a resurrected body then. We're going to get our resurrected body at the catching away where this corruptible flesh will put on incorruption, as it says in uh, 1 Corinthians 15. Go tell somebody about that. That's the good news. Don't get into them into a deep argument and, and uh, conversation about uh, dispensational things and all that kind of stuff. Just tell them about the simplicity of the gospel. As Paul says, endeavor to, not, to nothing among you except for Christ crucified. Didn't want to talk about anything else until they understand Christ crucified and what that meant for their salvation. Then after that, he started feeding them some sear milk of the word. Then after that, he wanted to really give them bread and meat. So I think we're, we've been pretty, uh, pretty meaty, so to speak, uh, a lot of this stuff. But um, you guys have been around for a while listening. If not, go back. Go back and then uh, go back to some of the, the past studies. If you desire to know more, study the Word of God. Get you a King James Bible, study it. All right, get together with like-minded believers and challenge each other to follow the Word of God and it alone, not the traditions of men. Hey, thanks, Brother Dave. He says, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Amen to that. And then... Uh, Oh, okay. Well, Jason, High Voltage Beaver there, says uh, Blip wasn't bad. Thought it was on my end. No, my internet kind of went out for a little bit, but it wasn't too bad. So not enough was it taken out for me to take the whole thing down So and re-upload. And Sister Elizabeth says Colorado has been interesting. Different culture for sure. Yeah. As we talked about on the phone, I'm sure it is. I, was, I bet I was out there one time. I, nobody really... You know, whatever. <laughs> I was going to say I was out there for several months uh, doing a, a construction project up north or west of Denver in uh, Granby, Colorado. But very beautiful country there. Very beautiful part of the country there. The Rocky Mountains. What a beautiful, beautiful world as far as creation. And that's even after a flood created things like the, those mountain ranges. Even the heavens declare the glory of God. All right. Okay, I think that's it. I think that's all the comments. God bless you all. Thank you for joining me here on Let This Mind Be In You. And like I said, God willing, next week we'll be in Acts chapter 4 as we continue the study of the book of Acts. God bless you.